Welcome into the I-80 Club, Wednesday night in the club. In the club. He's Jack Mitchell. I'm yeah. Josh Peterson. It's the most angsty week of the 2023 season. Holy Look, hell. you know you know what we're going to talk about tonight, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, if you're listening live, you're a patron. We love you. If you're listening before Saturday, you're also a patron. We love you as well. If you're listening after Saturday, first of all, the game is you know, maybe this morning or it's already done. You want to participate live. You want to listen to us live. Patreon.com slash ID club. And you can join us live every Wednesday, every Saturday and Saturday nights as well. It's a lot of fun. What, what, what kind of a weirdo would listen to this after the game? Just well, to see all the people who would... want to get all the content in Jack. That's nice of you. Enjoy all the right things I'm about to say. There you go. Enjoy, enjoy like basically the recap, basically of what happened in the game. But yeah, it's uh, before. I don't know what it's been like for you, Jack. I know that our jobs are very different, um, but we also both talk Husker football. Of course, I'm guessing I talk about it a little bit more than you. Um, What's it been like for you in the content game this week? A, A short week because of the holiday, just given how much stress this game is bringing to seemingly the entire fan base for a variety of reasons. Well, like most of my, I haven't gotten a lot of like, I talked about it on, on my show, but I haven't sought out. (laughs) I usually don't seek out a lot of listener input uh, on my radio show, unless it's very specific things. Um, But I've been on Twitter and I've been in here in the club. Like I, 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 I sense this is how you're feeling too, but I haven't heard you say it necessarily. But man, it just feels like everyone is on edge, not only about this yes. game, but like we are just on the verge. We're on the verge of a brawl as a fan base. And if things don't go well on Saturday, it's going to be all out again. And it's going to have taken two weeks to absolutely just go berserk on each other about our theories about the coaching staff, the team, the way it's called, everything else. This fan base is so tired of this, and they've got nowhere else to direct their frustration that it's going to just, it's going to be infighting, like insanity and infighting. And I'm to the point that I like, I'm dreading that almost more than the loss itself that could come out of this, even though I don't, Jack. I'm not guaranteeing a loss by any means. Like, uh, but I'm, I know I, it's obviously possible. But I, I'm just like dreading the rest of the season if this happens. To be honest, I, Jack, I couldn't agree more. It, oh, really? I, I am in the exact same spot. It's not. It's not even about a loss. It's not that they could lose the game. And like there are, there are always those matchups, right? Where as a fan, you're like, I just don't want to lose to this team. Um, this is a situation where it's not about that. So I mean, like, yeah, it's frustrating. Like, there's a lot of you know comments saying things like "fuck Colorado" and and other things of that nature in the pod uh, stream right now. But it's less to me. It seems. And I guess I'll just speak for myself. It's less about losing to Colorado and more about what what it would represent and the discourse then that would have to be had. Um, the, I, I, I'm with you. And I, I say this as, as someone who also will have to do the post game show on Saturday, and so you you know obviously what I would be signing up for if if they were to lose. Um, it's not just that it would be a loss. It's not just that it would be a loss to the rival. It, it it means that it would be a loss to the rival that has another first year coach, and Nebraska would be starting zero and two. Uh, under a head coach for the second time now um, in the last two head coaches that have gotten hired. Riley started one and two. So, I mean, it's still like there's all these things on the table that are just miserable, absolutely miserable if they lose, that are more miserable than the loss itself. But the the conversations that we would start having would be awful, yeah. just terrible. No, I, I 
I completely agree. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I will have a meltdown if they lose, an, especially another. Like, if it's again like Minnesota, if it's a meltdown in the last five minutes again, where it looked like they were going to win. I will lose my damn mind on Twitter on Saturday. I'm just going to tell you all that right now. And I'm going to feel terribly sorry for myself and all of you very publicly. And I will use the most emo words to ever describe it. But that's one thing. That's But the the, the other thing is what you're talking about, too. And it's just the whole process of the season is just going to get so unfun so fast, Josh, that it is going to be. It, it's just it that I guess that's the best way to describe it. Right, whatever fun that we were looking forward to feels like it was complete. Is going to feel like it's been sucked out of the season, yes. at least for a period of time, because there is going to be so many takes. There are going to be so many. There's going to be so much infighting, arguing theories. I'm theoried out on coaches. I am theoried out on coaches. Josh, that was one freaking thing I was looking forward to this season. A, a, just a break for maybe one year in the constant debates about coaches and. It's going to be back, not, you know, and not seriously. I mean, I'm not saying that they're do, they're not going to do anything, right? He's not he's not getting no. fired. That's no. not what I'm saying. But people will say, I mean, <laughs> there will be people who say that. There, I mean, or or something close to that, essentially, that that should happen. So it's just, and it goes to what you said, Josh. It's the it's just the perfect storm because you have you have what happened against Minnesota and the way that it happened Rob you know saying that the millionth time but it looking so similar to what the problems were before and then having the head to head comparison to Deion Sanders potentially lifting that program to ridiculously high levels like like that like no that one expected them to and the and whole that. and then Jack along those lines the whole like you know, hey, give give rules some grace. It's year one. Well, if the other team is also in year one and they're figuring stuff out and they're in the top twenty five, like they did, look, they were going about it from different perspectives the entire time. And and I think that the Matt Rule way can work, but it just gives that other side a whole lot of ammo of like, oh, hey, yeah. well, you can't you can't say it takes a long time in a new regime. Look at this other new regime, and they're playing them in game two. Mm-hmm. But and, and this is. Uh, listen, I, uh, this is part of the reason that I was always insistent that man, I really wanted this season to, you know, not be a, to to be a successful one fairly quickly to for the, for them to be going to a bowl, to not be flirting with not making a bowl, to all of those things. And of course, everyone wanted that, but I was fairly insistent on it because I was so worried about getting quickly back to this situation with the fan base, and I think we're on the verge of it. So. And again, I'll repeat, I don't necessarily think Nebraska is doomed to lose this game by any means. Um, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, during the course of this discussion. But it's hard, Josh, not to at least start thinking of the consequences uh, if they do. This is the opposite let, of fun fanfic, right? This is yeah. The opposite. Let, let, let's do fun fanfic because Josh Ooh. Jabs asked, but what if we win? Okay, much better. What does it uh, mean? Because John, I thought John asked this question geez. on the show today too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I mean, so like, <clears throat> like it, like at the at the floor of what it would mean for the fan base, it calms everyone down at the very least. Like uh, people chill the hell out for one week, which is nice, exactly right? What we were just talking about that stuff isn't happening. What does it mean beyond that? What does it mean beyond just like pumping the brakes on doom and gloom for like five seconds? To me, it also means, and obviously it doesn't delete the loss in the record, but it basically emotionally, uh, memory-wise, basically deletes the Minnesota game, essentially, um, out of the the conscience of Husker fans. 
and the program too. It, the, the Colorado game will be that way, that big, that significant, that fun, that the emotions associated with that will completely wash out whatever happened with Minnesota. And to the degree that had any negative impact on the season, I think that's gone if they win this yeah. game. Other than the loss in the in the win loss record. But other yeah, than the that, funny thing is, is Jack, they're one and one. And so they're the record going into week three that a lot of us thought they would have, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you can make an argument that they would have the win actually against the better team on the schedule. I mean, right. look, I, I don't want to overreact, but I mean, there's a lot to learn about Minnesota. There's a lot to learn about Colorado. But I think leaving leaving the first two weeks, you would you would people would actually be more excited about beating Colorado than they would Minnesota beyond just beating a rival. But more that like Colorado's the toast of college football right now, and they would have that that huge W. And so it's odd because it, again, it would be the record that I predicted them to have after two weeks. I thought that they would be a one and one football team, right? But man, it would just come in a completely be, different way than it we would expected. be a better one and one than the one and one we all gave them. <laughs> weirdly much better, enough, it's much better. Like, but so weirdly because if you had told us it went this way, this was what we expected. But it's a way better one and one. And obviously, you add on top of that. Just, like I said, the the emotional impact of winning this game is not just winning this game and finally getting that big win under your belt that you haven't had since Oregon um, yeah. years ago. First ranked win since Oregon. You've also got just the joy of stopping the annoying ass Dion narrative dead in its tracks. Do you know how gratifying that will be? That will put the joy that we are getting, that I've been talking about, that we are going to have at the moment this happens. That'll put that thing on steroids, Josh. This thing, be, Jack, Jack. Like, there's, there's one, there's one national massive playoff game, playoff type game this weekend, and that's Alabama Texas, right? So that game's going to get the lion's share of coverage on Saturday. Um, no matter what happens, Texas wins or Bama wins, it's going to be a huge game. This is number two, and if Nebraska wins, it really is like holy shit. The team that everyone was really in on for a week after they pulled off the three touchdown underdog upset win over TCU. They just lost to Nebraska, another team in year one. And so Nebraska for the first time, I don't, I don't remember how long Jack that they have been in like a situation where they are the good story. I mean, maybe something like the Michigan state win in, in 2015 when they were a playoff contender. I mean, we're talking about a win over someone that would generate massive headlines. Like, I don't know if you saw not a TV ratings guys, everybody knows. I I don't know if you saw the number that the game pulled last week, ridiculous number. It was seven something million. We're talking about a similar number of viewers that will watch this game, probably higher than that. And so it's not just that it's, again, it's not just all of the things we've already said. It's also going to come against one of the biggest audiences that Nebraska yeah. fans have, have had for their for a team in years. It's, so, like, it just has so many things going for it. Uh, it is going, I mean, it's about, it's as big of a game as you can possibly get, maybe that either of us can remember between a top, what's what did Colorado end up being ranked? Uh, like, this week they're 22. Yeah, 22, versus a top, yeah. not a top, two teams outside the top 20, let's say. For lack of a better yeah. way, there's never there's never been a bigger game in terms of interest in the media and fans and everyone talking about it leading up to it, and it's all because of Dion, obviously, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's ever been a bigger game outside of the top twenty than this in terms of interest and eyeballs on it. And pretty crazy. And, and, and you can look at it. You know, we can look at it at, at, at the negative parts of it about you know what the fan base is going to be. But the opportunity that this gives Nebraska to to rehabilitate, and 
the image doesn't matter, right? The national image of Nebraska doesn't really matter. But there's things that go along with that, right? There are things that go along with that in terms of confidence and momentum for the program and the fan base and how fun this season is for all of us. All of those things. You have an opportunity that you would never, ever, ever have in any other season right now to get what basically is the equivalent of multiple big wins with one win against a team that's just outside the top 20 in this game. Yeah. It's a golden, no pun intended, it is a golden opportunity. I think, Jack, I think we talked about it a little on Saturday. It was once a no-win proposition is now not. It's not that, right? Like, for the majority of the offseason, we were approaching the game as, like, Colorado's a sideshow. They'll be 0-1. They probably will have gotten stomped. Nebraska's going to enter either 1-0 or 0-1. They're not really going to have a whole lot of, of things that they can gain from it and they have a lot to lose. Well, now it's not that. It's definitely not a no-win proposition. They they have they have a chance to gain a lot. Certainly a lot of goodwill back with the fan base. Nationally, I don't know what this would mean beyond just like people would be watching it. Like I just made a joke in the chat, uh, tired, being triggered by the national media hyping up Dion after their win over TCU. Wired, being triggered by the national media focusing on Colorado losing and not Nebraska winning. <laughs> you know, like that, that would be the thing, Fine. right? Like Nebraska pulls off the win. Like I just want everyone to prepare themselves. It's not going to be a Nebraska celebration. It's going to be more about Colorado losing the game. And so <clears throat> it doesn't matter though. I, I I think it's more important what it means for this yeah, the fan base, and more importantly, the program. Yeah, the, the, they they would they would need that type of stuff. Like I mean, they they're the ones who need the the wind beneath their wings to to quote Scott Frost. Even just even just imagine and imagine what you win this game and you were coming into a home game, a home game against a pretty decent team that you're gonna get for at least if you're talking about a non power five team, a decent team that's at night and that is gonna be a great atmosphere. And all of a sudden, and again, it feels like you've deleted that mental block that looked like it had hung over after Minnesota. The Minnesota game suddenly gets grouped with the Scott Frost era and the Colorado game and forward gets grouped with the Matt Rule era. And yeah, hopefully that is what's happening not only in the fans' minds, but what's happening mentally with this team. They flush that thought because the problem still is, and I told myself I believe Matt Rule – that they had prepared so much for the mental game of the last five minutes, the moment after the oh shit moment that we talked about ad nauseum, and they did exactly the opposite. It happened, and it blew the whole game up once again. And I'm hopeful that just the the boost of not having that, if it wouldn't happen, would be significant in keeping that from happening again. Because geez, if they can do that, you know, six wins does not look does not look like a huge tall order if they can do that. Well, yeah, and again, going back to where we thought they'd be preseason, if you're one and one, like they're in the spot that they that we thought that they would be in. And so, if you were someone who said six and six, if you were someone who said four and eight, if you were someone who said five and seven, if you were someone who said seven and five, like most most people, I guess, if you said seven and five, you probably thought that they would beat Minnesota. But if you said six and six. Most people thought one and one was in the cards. All right, well, maybe it didn't happen in the way that you thought it would, and maybe the first loss was pretty deflating. But I would say that given how deflating that loss was, to rebound and win on the road against, again, the toast of college football, I would say that you darn near erased what happened the previous week. And yeah, so like you do have that go- you do have that going for you. Yeah, yeah. it eats that up. That I mean, Josh, I thought they would go I had them picked to go one and one and I still picked them to go seven and five overall. And I expect mm-hmm. and I would I thought they would lose to Minnesota and that I thought they would go one on one in those in those first two yeah. games. I have a question for you, Josh. Okay. What did we 
what didn't we see about Colorado? We we all admittedly, at least one game in, but you know, even in that game individually, if you want to look at it that way, why were we, and, and I think you and I were generally on the same page on them. I, I think we talked about it specifically a couple of times this summer. I think I, I brought up, I was like, maybe could they be good? And you're like, no, no and way. I always shot it down. You My always bad. shot it down. And I didn't disagree with you. I'm not trying to say I was right about anything. Why, why were we so wrong about that, at least how it looks like after one week? Do you think? Uh, I think a couple things. I mean, I, I do think that there's a lot to be said about TCU and how they approached it. Um, I really think that they took them for granted, like a lot of us did. So I think that you you kind of start there. I, I do I do think that I messed up by not realizing how good the the wide receivers were going to be. Like I just thought that the lines were going to give them more problems. I thought that the that they would be really tired by the end of it, and they came out with a great game plan. And they executed very well. Those crossing routes were giving TCU fits throughout the the game, no matter what part it was. And I I just thought the longer it lasted, the better they looked. I didn't think Shadir Sanders would play that well. Like I remember we That's talked about me. this on Saturday. That's me. Yeah, like early, early on, like Riss and I kept like looking at his total yardage and his and his attempts, and we're just like, wow, the yards per attempt is super low, and it's like not in a way that is like incredibly sustainable. You would think over the course of a game. It just it kept climbing higher and higher and higher. And by the time it, that they were at the end of the game, he's averaging it was like eleven yards an attempt. And so if you think about how at one point it was like five or six, and it ended at eleven, you're talking about a crazy difference when he got going in the second half. So he performed very well. The receivers were awesome. Like Travis Hunter, I, I still am blown away by the number of plays that that guy was out there for. I don't think that that's going to be sustainable for an entire season. Um, but he he was super super impressive. So. I would just say I missed by not giving their skill players enough credit, period. Like that's where I would start. And, and look, they're really well coached. Like they hired Dion hired a great staff, man. He, he got a, he got a Matt coach to become and be his offensive coordinator. Like, come on. Like we got to give him a ton of props for, for that. Just having him ready to play, man. Having him ready to play. I agree with you on most of that, but all two of them specifically, I really agree with you. I, First of all, Sanders on two, uh, Shador Sanders on two levels. Yeah. I didn't realize how good he had been at. Ja- I didn't follow Jackson State closely enough to realize how good he had been there. I then went back and looked at his stats after that game was over at Jackson State. They were ridiculous. They were yeah. just unbelievably gaudy to the point that I was like, like I had in my mind it was sort of a hype. It was sort of an overhype deal because he was Dion's son, right? And the, and. So, like, and that's why we knew who he was. No, his numbers were ridiculous at Jackson State. And so he had done it. And, of course, he was going up a level, um, and and he accomplished that. But man, I can't remember. Something like, Josh, I think it was like 40 touchdowns and four picks last year. Yeah, it's, it was an insane it's, number. It's something like, I had no idea it was that good last year, just in terms of his lack of throwing interceptions, making good decisions, all of the things that he did against TCU. So I didn't even give him credit for what he had done. And then the other thing is, like, I don't know, like, I think the the wide receiver, obviously Hunter, I'm with you on Hunter, and just what he did was incredible, which I don't think he can do all year. But in that game, he was unreal, never seen anything like it. There's no superlative that I think is all that much too high for what he did. But I think the offensive scheme, what 
you know, and I don't know how much TCU's inability to counter it played into this whole thing, but I think he made those wide receivers look good with Sanders and the way that scheme was because, frankly, man, it wasn't every play, but most of them, Josh, they were running these quick rhythm routes and they were wide open. And Sanders, but they were still getting a lot of yards after catch. Okay, then then that'll be to their credit. But the thing I was wowed by was Lewis's game plan in this game, and that it worked the whole freaking game like it did, and it never stopped working during the entire game. That's what that's what the biggest thing to me was is they even in the fourth quarter he was still it looked like running these same plays, and I'm sure they were different plays, but running these same plays where you're getting eight yards on this little short pass and the dude's wide open, and like you said, maybe breaking a tackle too. It's just that was amazing to me, and I don't know who how much that is to DCU's discredit and how much it is to what Colorado was doing in terms of their scheme and what Shadur Sanders was doing to their credit, and that's what's going to determine the outcome of the Nebraska game in my mind. Bingo! Let's do one more thing too. Brandon says no procedure penalties. Amazing! Like they they played clean football, man. Like TCU shit the bed a lot. Um, they stepped all over themselves. They looked. Dude, they looked like the team that we kind of thought Colorado would, you know, where they just looked unorganized. They didn't look disciplined. Colorado looked disciplined. Colorado looked organized. They looked like they were always ready to go. And so like that, that was a big time. That was a big time thing in this one. Um, You know, Jake says Colorado's leading rusher at 45 yards. Our secondary is solid. Got to stop the air attack. I I wonder, you know, to look at Nebraska, like can can they tackle as well as they just did? Because if they can, that's going to be huge, man, because Colorado was able to break a lot of tackles in this in this game. Um, So like on that side of the ball, when they have it, they got to be able to tackle the ball. They got to be able to tackle the bunker. They got to be able to continue to stop the run. You know, like it, it, can Colorado continue? Can they get by another week throwing the ball around that much? And I, I don't want to sound like a broken record on this, but they got to get to the quarterback. They had so many more opportunities last Thursday versus Cali Manis, and they weren't able to finish it as many times as I would have liked. They, they still finished with three sacks. But I think that they could have had three more. And so if they can get to Sanders, like, again, just put them behind the sticks and, and force them into second and third and long. I agree, Josh, but TCU is going to sk- – they know that their offensive line is not going to be dominant – is not dominant. And so they're scheming around that, right? That's yeah. – I mean, yep. they're doing – they know that – they know that they can be in, they're going to be in trouble against a team with a good pass rush if they if they take their sweet ass time um, getting the ball out of Sanders' hands. And so, to the extent they can avoid that as much as they can, they will quick, 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 quick will be. And it doesn't mean they aren't going to take shots that take a while. They will, but they're going to set that up by get, lulling everyone to sleep with the, with the short passes first. And so, I think Josh, the I think you're right, but I just think the opportunities to get that kind of pressure are going to be few and far between because they're going to rely so much on that short, that quick pass where you won't even have time to do it for the most part. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the other side. Um, They gave up a lot of points. They gave up 42 points. TCU left a lot of points on the, on the field. They, how how many field goals they missed for sure. One, Um, they, they turned the ball over a couple of times. They had the, they had the bad inner. I mean, not like Travis Hunter made a crazy good play. So like give them credit for that. They did not stick to the run game. They yeah. did not stick to the run game. And like the, I saw a comment a few minutes ago from someone saying like, nobody's talking about the fact that they gave up 42. Like maybe we haven't talked about it enough this week, but you, uh, here's my theory, Jack on maybe why we haven't. I don't think people know what to make of this side of the ball because of w- w- how bad Nebraska's offense looked. And I, I do think that there is probably a distrust 
in Satterfield, whether that's earned or not. Um, but I like I, I've described it a couple of, of times this week as like this is that first test for a new OC. We've seen so many of them around here in the last 25 years where it's like a game where we think they should stick with what's working. And in this case, we're all theorizing that's going to be running the football. And how many times have we watched the game? Where we're like, what the hell's the OC doing? Why don't they just keep carrying the ball? Give it to Amir Abdullah bunch this weekend. I'm sure we're going to be saying, yeah, just keep feeding Gabe Irvin. And so I think that talking about this side of the ball, there seems to be like this fear with it, mainly because again, it seems like such an unknown on that when Nebraska has the football going against that Colorado defense. And, and, and Josh, the concern is right. Okay. Well, yeah, keep giving Gabe Irvin the ball and be con- be committed to it. But what happens with, you know, you give up, let's say you kick off to Colorado, they go down and score, you get the ball back the first time, and all of a sudden you give it to Gabe Irvin the first two times, and he happens to get four yards on two plays. And then all of a sudden you've got third down, right? <laughs> and you're about to kick it back to them and give them another chance to get their offense on the field. If they're going to be able to score quickly, it sounds great to stay committed to the run, but you're not going to be able to get off schedule if they're scoring like they might be able to score. And I think that's one of the things where it sounds it's way easier said than done to commit to running a ton and to commit to Gabe Irvin a ton. Because if you get yourself behind in this game, it's going to be almost impossible to do that. If if you start thinking about time and they start being able to key on the run, you're just not going to be able to do that as well. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't, I, I don't know. I don't think people know what to make yet of of Colorado's de- it's it's just harder to diagnose why what TCU did was working against Colorado um than vice versa then then Colorado's offense was working against TCU I didn't make very much sense there it it's 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 harder to really completely put to word what the weaknesses and strengths are of Colorado's defense is probably what I should say and well so- I think I actually think that this, the weaknesses are, I think it's kind of easy and that's just running the football. I mean, you look at the yards per carry that they gave up throughout that one. It's just TCU kind of is breaking. I think a lot of people's brains a little bit for two. Like the one is like, why didn't they keep running? And then the other is, and, and maybe this goes back to our, um, our, our preseason thoughts on Nebraska's offense. Uh, can they like can they run the football and like this overall kind of distrust in the offensive line and the play calling in the running back room in general um because like in a, in a normal world we'd be looking at what TCU did and say man if Nebraska um is just smart like they'll run the football a million times and I'm like I still feel that that will work against them but there's also this part of me in the back of my head that's like are we sure that Nebraska is is as good at running the ball as still don't know. like Gabe Irvin showed at times? Like his yards per carry is really good. You even take away the long rush, and he still it was four and a half yards a carry. Like that's solid enough against Minnesota. Like I'll take that. I'll take that every sample's time you play Minnesota. Small. Sample's too small. But again, to yes, to the sample's too small. It was one, not, it was one. It was one game. I'm not confident yet. I'm not unconfident yet. I think the jury's still out on what kind of a running team Nebraska is going to be with their tailbacks in particular. Yeah. I don't. I legit don't know. Because yeah, I, I, I I do know that coming out of that first game that I was disappointed in the offensive line for Nebraska, but I was especially disappointed in their pass blocking in that game. Not as much in their run in, in their run blocking. But I still don't know what it looks like to have Gabe Irvin get twenty carries in a game, right? <laughs> or or Yeah, we what, none like, of us do. What does that look like at all? I have no clue. I st- I still don't even feel like I know who Gabe Irvin is completely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree um, with you. 
I think Josh brings up a good point, and, and Josh, I think, is, has been our resident kind of pessimist at times this offseason, but a little positivity maybe says TCU put up 40-plus with two red zone turnovers and lost all of its yeah. playmakers from last year. Like, that's a good, that's a kind of a, a glass-half-full way to view it, right? Like, we left that game saying, wow, man, TCU lost so many players. They did, but they still put up 42. They still put up 42 points on them, and they left a lot of points on the table. They left a lot of points on the table. And, I, I, and I'll say this, too, and I think the concerns about Nebraska, Nebraska's offense are legitimate. I think the concerns about Jeff Sims turning it over is legitimate at this point. I also think Nebraska in that Minnesota game, given how limited they are on playmakers, for, I, don't, I don't love that term but to because to, I don't have a better term than that, given how limited they are on playmakers, and we talked about this on Saturday, Josh, they still didn't go to the guys that it felt like they should have if they needed playmakers very often. And we already referenced Irvin. They didn't get the ball in Ramir Johnson's hands hardly at all. Washington didn't play till the second half. I think he obviously had more of an impact than we thought he would on that game as well. Um, you didn't find a tight end. If Fedoni is, is going to be that guy, you're going to have to figure out. He's going to be awesome. Yeah. As some would say. Yeah, if he's going to be awesome. Like, the the potential playmakers that they do have, even if they're not, like, they weren't even involved, hardly, uh, when you think of those guys. Irvin, Ramir Johnson, Washington played half the game. And I'm not saying they've got top-level playmakers now, but they just didn't get their best players involved enough in that offensive game at all. And so I want to yeah. see what it looks like when they do utilize the strengths that they do have. The running back room, right? With the to the tight ends to the extent that that is one getting getting Marcus Washington and now you're without IGC and that hurts a ton too. Um, yes, it does. It hurts a ton in in that room, but ideally you're not gonna have to you're you're not gonna have to go deep with with that sort of a situation. And Billy Kemp, sorry, that's the other one. And Billy Kemp, too, just almost. I know he was trying to throw to him on the picks. But still, like, he had almost no impact on that game whatsoever. You can't – this offense can't afford to have – He did have Kemp. an impact was two interceptions. I know. I know. I know there were two picks to him, but not a uh, – you know, not giving get the, getting the hand in his ball, like, successfully and having him do things. This offense can't afford not to have Kemp, Ramir Johnson, Gabe Irvin, Marcus Washington not really involved in the offense. No, it can't. I mean, they're not going to win games, Jack. If that's the case, right? Like they're not. They're, they're just like that. Well, the the, they the don't scary part about they're, this game is is what was that? They just don't have guys beyond that. Like they can't have yeah. guys. They don't have a dynamic offense outside of those guys. And they're those guys aren't all Big Ten players, but they're your strength in terms of playmakers. Those names that I just mentioned, and maybe you want to throw. I don't know who else. Maybe Anthony Grant in times in doses. Maybe Fedoni Pink becomes eye? that. Yeah, maybe Fedoni. But those are the ones I'm talking. Ramir. Irvin, uh, um, Washington, and Kemp. Those four. Yeah. Those four guys. And that's that's, man, how many that's touches, a lot of hope. How many touches did those four guys have that whole game, though? Oh, nine. God. Nine, maybe? Not very, not very many. Yeah. And, like, it, it's funny. We haven't even mentioned this, but uh, Matt says Sims will run at least 10 times. Irvin can get 25. How many plays are we going to run? Like, I, I don't want to. Sorry, Matt. I don't want to answer the whole question. We have not mentioned Sims in, like, any of this conversation. And that's the other. I think that's the other rub of this whole game preview is this. It feels less like an unknown with him. Like you, you mentioned the thing about Irvin, like you still don't know what Irvin is. Mm -hmm. I think the fear that a lot of us have, I guess I could speak for myself. The fear that I have is we do know what Sims is and Sims is going to be a, a problem for Nebraska, not so much for the opponents. Right. 
Um, I, I know that you looked through all the numbers and his interception rate isn't as bad as, as what it was made out to be on, on Saturday or on Thursday, excuse me. But man, like he, he did look a little spooked in the second half throwing like when he dropped back, it was a, it was an adventure in the second half. Whereas I didn't feel that way at the beginning of the game. Um, even until the second interception, I didn't really feel that way. It changed a lot though. After, after, after that second interception, the one at the, at the uh, goal line. I don't know yet. I mean, it was definitely bad. It was definitely bad. And it was for one reason. He locked onto the guys. He telegraphed his passes. I mean, it was not complex to see what happened in those. The defensive backs were playing his eyes by the end of the game. Stumanji was posting some stills from the game today, and you could see it. He he was looking at him pre-snap in some of those situations. Um but he's done it before. I mean, he's he's had some success without throwing picks in the past, um, and so I'm not completely out. I think there's. I'm hoping there's some coaching involved in this whole thing, and I hope they play to his strengths too. Now that said, and, and you're right, that's a concern. I'm not completely giving up on it, and frankly, it's what they got right now. So if they can't, I mean, if they're getting three interceptions a game from him, they're screwed. But I don't think they will be, and they've got to figure out a way around that. That said. And I know this is most people don't consider this a positive necessarily, but it's the truth. Is he's gonna if he keeps playing and he stays in these games, he is gonna make some big plays with his legs. That is yes, going for that sure. Is for sure. Absolutely. And that's gonna be third down scrambles that they're third and six and he never throws a pass and he gets it, or he's gonna bust a you know a 35 yard run at some point. That's definitely going to happen. It's a weird thing to talk about, Josh, because People almost don't look upon it all that favorably, yet it's probably got to be a big part of this offense. Him running? Yes. Is it is it because I mean, I know I left I left Thursday, and this was even before the the especially the latter or the second and yeah, the second and third interception. Early on when he's running the ball so much and it's working and they're moving the chains, I'm like, man, is this sustainable? Just because he was getting hit hard. It wasn't like it wasn't the scramble, get out of bounds runs. It was he's going up the gut. He's getting hit on every carry, um, and like that's the thing that you're, I think. Yeah, I you're like med, like everybody's lack of fully being embracing the fact that he does it well is kind of funny. Like nobody can just be enjoy that, or we can't be just op- be happy. With, like, you can't just be happy that 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 I think they do have a guy. I don't think I'm being too over the top optimistic, and in being a guy like he's a big play threat with his feet. I think that's fair. when I was talking I about so. the other big play threats. He is, and and he, I think he will. I think he'll make that'll be problematic for defenses. That's a pain in the ass for defenses when that dude. I mean, geez, we saw it with with Ethan a little bit. That guy can't run, but he knew when to run in that game when Nebraska yep. gave him space. And did you see what he did, Josh? That game plan was run when you can and get your ass on the ground immediately. Get down. Don't take Every, a hit time and maybe that's what yeah. it's got to be with Sims but it, it, he's not as much of a big play threat if that's what he's going to do but that little run game that Minnesota had in that game was was actually pretty significant in that game um yeah i thought i thought when i rewatched it so that's but it's just it's it's just sort of funny to me like were we like that with with i know we always go back to Jamal Lord but were we like that with the other i mean Nebraska's had a lot of running quarterbacks <laughs> Like did we? Well, always... that was in the era when they ran all the time. It's like we were just so used to it, right? right? I know, like but there's late, nothing late. The last decade, we're not. We're changed. like that guy needs to stop running. He's going to get hurt. He's going. <laughs> I mean, that's what's changed. They're running. Their quarterbacks have got hurt too much over the last. Ooh, decade. I mean, Jamal Lord never got hurt. He did it all the time. <laughs> I know, Jack. I'm saying, but the last decade, every quarterback that started what almost has gotten hurt. Is, are we? Are they softer? What's going on? What's the difference? I'm. I'm honestly asking. Like, no, isn't, probably isn't that weird. 
Isn't that weird? Like, I, I would say that's probably the case is that, yeah, they're just not, you know, they're when you're not practicing in that particular style every day, yeah. you know, like those quarterbacks again, are probably hitting in practice. I think all the time. he's a different, I mean, and I know I don't want to retread the ground that we did on Saturday, but he is more of that size. He's more, his body's a lot more like Jamal Lord than these other guys that we're talking about that got hurt too, to some degree, sure. even more than Adrian or any of those guys. Um, and so he's hopefully kind of, kind of built for that a little bit, but you know, a knee doesn't, you, I say things like that, but their body doesn't matter when they step wrong. Yeah, Josh them. Allen gets hurt. Cam Newton right, got hurt. Right, like exactly, I'm not exactly. just going to be like, he's big and strong. Derrick Henry gets hurt. Like, right. you know, it can, it can happen no matter what, but you feel like he might be a little less prone to that, or he just might not take the kind of hits that are going to cause some of the injuries. But like, I'm going to, let me just say this, Josh, I'm going to, because I think you have to have it. I'm going to embrace the quarterback run. And if he gets hurt, you definitely have to have it. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt, right? Like, I don't want him to, and I think there's obviously, there's a risk to it, but I think there's a bigger risk to not using it as a weapon on this team this year. I think the scary part is just, like, that they have had to revert to it so quickly. Like, it was the second or third drive, and they're already, like, running at him a ton. I'm like, okay, well, never mind. This The offense is not what I thought it was going to be, and they're just having to rely on that too much. But you're right, like... Now it's about stacking up dubs. Like, that's all it's about. And so if he gets hurt, it, like, sucks. Right. But you, you, you're you going for wins right now. You're not going for good and, vibes and, and keeping him in bubble wrap for the whole season. And I guess what I should be to clarify what I'm saying, Josh, is, like, I don't want him to be the main – I don't want to have him have the most carries every game. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, if he's going to scramble on a pass when there's nobody open and he's going to turn it into a 15-yard run, hell yeah. All yeah. more power – more power doing that. I mean, I want to see the tailbacks, the eyebacks, carry the ball. I want them to get the majority of the carries. I don't want the game plan to be planned runs for him um, yes. necessarily to be the 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 main focus of the offense. That said, you know, if if he ends up having big chunk plays as a runner, so be it. That's going I think that I think that's almost a necessary but I think you need everything you can get for this offense. Anything that is a, a a playmaker or something that can get out chunk plays because there's not much else in other parts of the offense. I want to go back to a comment a little bit earlier from Brady. He says, yeah. if Sims's flaws are obvious to us, you think they're more obvious to the coaches. It would lead a rational person to believe they will address those issues with him and try to coach him That's, to not keen yeah. on one receiver. You know, th- this That's is kind I of more of a big... Yeah. Yeah, and this is kind of a big picture thing, and it goes back a little bit to what I said earlier about Satterfield, but now we can look at the whole coaching staff. This is a great opportunity for them to really prove their bona fides in terms of coaching, right? Like this is a this yes. is a this is a big time yes. game. We 100%. there is a lot of like doubt, and there is there seems to be this kind of obvious. They should do this. They shouldn't do this. And like, look, they're coaches. They 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 know better than we do. But like, this is a this is a big time moment for 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 the early Matt Rule era. Not not to go one way and, and change the paradigm or go the other way and get fired in the season. But just like for the good vibes, if it like this is a chance for him and the staff to coach really, really well. And yeah. I look forward to seeing how they, how they adjust from game one to game two, because like that, that's what, that's what I'm wondering about. That's what I'm wondering about. It's right interesting, now. Josh, because it feels like we are going to, maybe it's just the way that we're setting it up in our heads, but we're getting a better re- read on this team's, or excuse me, this coaching staff's prep, an in-game coaching ability in this game 
sort of in an apples to apples comparison. We talk about this apples to apples comparison thing. Dion building a program quickly, Matt Rule building a program not as quickly. To me, the apples to apples comparison is an interesting one, is going to be I think they went in, and part of the reason they beat TCU is they outcoached and outprepped the hell out of them in that game. Yes. And every yes. in every way we talked about the procedure penalties. We talked about TCU not making adjustments on defense. We talked about Bryles not calling run Isles Bryles looking like he didn't know what he was doing with the offensive calls or trying to be too impressive. Colorado won that coaching battle soundly in that game. Yes. And yeah. Nebraska's got a chance to you know, it, it, that's the hard question in handicapping this game is how much did TCU just absolutely crap the bed with the way that they schemed that game on both sides of the ball. And if Nebraska can show, if it looks really different because the Nebraska coaches don't do that, um, that is going to be a real shot in the arm, I think, to people's belief in this coaching staff to be able to come in. And I know you had you had talked on the, on the Inside Info channel today earlier that you're just – not this is groundbreaking, but like Tony no, White's yeah. really, Tony White's really, you know, <laughs> throwing I, himself I don't know what exactly. Prep. Yeah, which he should. Yeah, he should. This yeah. is a, that is it. If you're a defensive coordinator, this is your freaking dream for scheming. These guys had what looked like a somewhat simple plan, and they beat the crap out of a TCU defense. You unlock that thing, and you figure out how to stop that, and they have to. The, a huge part of whether or not that we can talk about pass rush, we can talk about coverage all day on the defensive side. That this is going to be the biggest thing to me. If I could have one thing out of all those things, it's that Tony White figures out how to scheme that short passing game. Yeah, for sure. Like it's it's you know one of the things that we haven't talked about a lot this week, just because of the the Dion of it all, is like just how good of a job they coached and like. There's a very real chance that we're leaving Saturday and we're just saying like, wow, the, the Dion Colorado experience, they're just going to be really well coached. And and that could explain a lot of this. But Matt Rule is also a really good coach. Right. Like, there's a reason he climbed right. like he did into the right. NFL. And like, when's, Jack, when's the last time that you watched a Nebraska game and you truly left and you were like, man, they outcoached that yeah. side of Like they just killed them. And, and like, that this is a chance. This is a chance for that. Because like, it's yeah, obvious I that there is a lot of doubters with with whether it's not so much Matt Rule, it's more the staff that he put around, and obviously, like he was a big part of that, of course, because he made the hires. But this is a chance for that to happen. Where whether it's Tony White, even Satterfield, man, like this is a chance for Satterfield, I think, to to really earn some goodwill. Um, you know, if the the wide receiver room, given how thin it looks right now, something for Garrett McGuire, um, and an opportunity for him. Like really, it's all over the field. But this this is a. Uh, this is a this is a chance. Husker Bramie says, "Josh, I I think Frost play calling was sublime in the second half against Michigan in 2021. Yeah, that was I would say that that was one of Frost's finest hours. What he was able to do in the second half versus Michigan. Yep. I, I've seen reference to the Ohio State game in 2018. I thought that that yep. was probably his finest hour as a coach. I thought that that was the best game that he coached. Their their hey. game plan was great. Their play calling was great. Obviously, they ended up losing. Honestly, um, in that in that game, if if the rule and his coaching staff are you know what they've, what we hope they are, what they've been built to be. This game should be, this game should absolutely be close. <laughs> I yeah. mean, oh yeah, they, they, uh, they. I don't think. Yeah, I think the coaches. And and by the way, if you're on this Nebraska staff right now, and you're hearing all of the gushing about Dion right now, and you see that game, and you've got a chance to scheme, their mouths have to be watering. I would hope so. I would hope. Yeah. I mean, this is their chance. We talk about you know Nebraska. Uh, in general, 
to kind of reverse the narrative on the program and where it's going right now. But it's the same for all of these coaches, man. They in one game, Dion and that entire staff has absolutely got incredible credibility at this point. Uh, what Lewis is going to have a better Lewis has a better chance of getting a head coaching job right now after one game than he did during his entire career at head coach at Kent State. Like yeah. he's already going to be on the top of all the lists after that one game to take the next Power Five coaching job. Okay, after one single game, and so I think the coaching staff knows. That they've this isn't same same that we've been saying the way I think I think Gary Sharp labeled it opportunity Saturday that's exactly what it is I mean for everyone it's a huge you can't miss on this opportunity because you are able to make so much ground up in so many different ways well if you check and today. you know the other thing too like okay so you look at the rest of the schedule the the next two games are truly after Colorado are truly no win situations. They win, and because let's pretend they lose to Colorado. They win those, fine, they're 2-2, two and two. congrats, you stop the bleeding. You lose those games, and it's a it's a freaking five-alarm fire, whatever it is. Michigan, it's an opportunity, but, I mean, I'm going to be realistic. They're not going to win that football game. There's just not a whole lot of games left on the schedule that earn you the kind of goodwill that are, like, realistic that this Colorado game would. And, like, that's the thing where I'm not going to say it's a loss season because it's not, and that's way too harsh. But it 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 just gets close to this spot where they're not going to play enough teams that are, like, in their stratosphere that they can win that would earn them goodwill with, with a portion of the fan base. And and then the, the ones that are really good, like, I just don't think that they have a, a good shot against. Like, this it's, is this is their chance. This is a great chance for a win. It stops the bleeding, and it means something. Josh, you know, and, and, a, like, that's a rarity for this season. Sorry to interrupt. It's not only goodwill with the fa- I mean, it's momentum, right? It's, I mean, it's, dare I say, it's recruiting. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, this is a, this the recruits are, you know, people are going to be watching this one as well. Imagine the dent that you put in that with that whole thing. It's like I said, it's just the momentum of the season that goes along with that. It's the mental state in that locker room. It's all of those things. You've got an opportunity. Yeah, you're going to have games after this, but my goodness, it's nothing like this. It's nothing like this whatsoever. You will not get this in, dare I say, a winnable game, um, you know, until I don't know when. Probably n- not again this year. Not not this much not this much upside in terms of a win in, in a game where a win is realistic and and who knows maybe Michigan comes in and they upset them and that changes everything I suppose but uh, yeah and that's plus how like it looks I, now. I not to I mean like Jack I really do believe if they're going to go to a bowl game they got to win this one like I I just don't think they can yeah, start out zero two yeah I don't I think they can say, start out zero two and then go six and four. Yeah, I mean, look, it's just going to be miserable going up to that th- to that Northern Illinois game if they're zero and two, and then all of oh, the people God. suggesting that they're going to lose that game. And I guess who knows, right? You know, who knows yep. if Northern Illinois is, you know, they they went in Boston College is a bad Power Five team, but you know, if if Northern Illinois can go in there, why can't they come in Lincoln and do the same thing? And there are going to be people asking that question. And like you said, it's a no win situation in both of those games games and then you got Michigan coming in and you find yourself even if you win those two you find yourself looking for four conference games you look yeah. for four conference wins at that point and yeah it's not impossible um and it's probably more possible even than we realized after watching the first week of Big 10 football but it's definitely not where you hope to be and it's not the opportunity um that you could you could just turn so much around with this with this win here coming up yeah. Um, yeah. Jab says, I, I thought Bishop had some great things about not blowing the Minnesota loss out of proportion. Has he said anything about the meaning of the Colorado game? I mean, he's definitely in the, the, the same boat that, that Jack and I are 
Um, you know, and thinking, just talking about the general week that that's been, uh, and the reaction of Colorado and, and just how, how, how big of a chance that this is for Nebraska. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're all kind of in the, in the same boat on, on what this one means. Yeah. And again, I don't believe the season's lost. If they lose it, that's not what I'm saying, but I still don't believe that anything else gives you this kind of opportunity to get something special going quickly. I guess that, I guess that's what I would say. This gives you that opportunity more than anything. And I'll just, for the record, and I think you're the same place, Josh, I'm not, if they lose this game, even if it loses, even if it's bad, I'm not, I'm just not going to go down that road this entire season about really getting into that the hire was bad or anything like that. I just Well, Jack, we're going to have to talk about it because a lot of people are going to, and so it's just going to turn into like having to have that debate. Like that's the shit that, again, that's why I don't, like among many reasons why a loss on Saturday. I just don't think the hire was bad. And like, I don't, I mean, like. No, I don't either. Like even, and it's not going to change my mind if they go, you know, four and eight this year. It's, it just isn't um, going to change my mind on that whole thing. You knew what you knew at the time, at that point. Um, so I'm not I'm not going down that road. And I just don't want to go down that road, Josh. Jeez. Like, I cannot, this constant, freaking constant state of questioning the decision about who you hire as a coach or fire as a coach is exhausting. Because then it makes it's year two. Exhausting. Everything's behind the eight ball. It's always, you're like, always behind the eight ball. You're never getting to talk about anything fun. You know, you and, never get to do that. And with and so like that, like Jack, I think back to something that you posted in the inside info chat earlier this, you know, this, this off season, or like right at the end of the off season, just about how there was a little pessimism from one of your sources who's had a chance to see them on the field. Like that, that showed itself in, in game one. Like a lot of the, a lot of the, the things that I had heard in the lead up to the season. And I, I mean, I talked about them plenty in here, the lack of playmakers on offense, that that you know that they couldn't get the ball to guys on the outside. That showed itself, and it showed itself in a worse way than I imagined because Billy Kemp also wasn't a guy who showed up. And and then and then I mean, look, I, I I'm with, again, I'm with you on on Matt Rule, but really something that was super frustrating and and that opened up him up to criticism that I was surprised that he kind of did was to say what he did about Anthony Grant two weeks before the opener, and then Anthony Grant essentially oh, cost yeah. them the game. Listen. Like that's uh, yeah. a that's a bad that's that a bad, bad. for a head coach. There's no yes that that's a different question than whether he was the right person to hire. Obviously, but yes, that was te- that was horrendous. And then to come out and say that it was the assistant's decision, like, oh my gosh, yeah, that was a bad look at that point. Yeah, um, and there's yeah. no two ways about it. Uh, and I, I think he's probably unhappy that he's probably deep down very unhappy that Grant was in, and he wishes he had been more focused on taking care of that personnel situation, but he probably had other things on his mind at that time. That's my guess. I'm going to guess he was very unhappy with his running backs coach after that game. Yeah. If he makes that decision. And I, I wonder if he'll make that those, if rule will be making those decisions himself this year, this week. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. (sighs) Stressful, man. Stressful. Dude, at least you don't have to do a post game show right Man, after. And if they calls lose, for- I feel for you. That is going to be brutal. Yeah, and then you and I will hop on and we'll just do the same thing on Saturday night. Yeah, it'll be better with me. I have a feeling. Yeah. Well, well I don't I know. Mean, I mean, you'd just be super fatalist. I'm just, I, I'm just fatalist about the shockingness of the terrible, the terrible, just misfortune 
Yeah, because here's what I've learned about you. There is like the day of loss to Jack Mitchell, and then there is the next day loss. But then by Monday, you're always like, we're going to destroy the next team. And so it's like, I'm catching you, though, on maybe the worst day to catch you on. And that's that's, that's the loss I definitely am a different person one day to to two days after the game. I'm I'm probably having a more reasonable reaction by Monday every week. Saturday night, I absolutely am not. Right after the game, I absolutely am not. I am unfreaking reasonable feeling sorry for myself, and I'll be doing the same. I probably won't be screaming about Rule being fired, but I'll probably be screaming about what devastating white-hot pain I'm going through at the time is more likely the type of nomenclature I'll be using. Yeah. But a few days later of that, I'll be focused on the Huskies. Yeah. And IU. And Jake says, swear I'm, I'm saying this strictly as a gambler and not as a Husker fan. This game is an absolute yeah. sharp gambler's dream. All FBI and all our data has Nebraska winning yeah. five to ten. Isn't that interesting? Letdown game, public money, etc. Yeah. I mean, FBI, Bill Connolly. Did you see Bill Connolly's number? It's like Yeah, the, and he's he, like, don't trust it. <laughs> what, you jerk? Let us have this. Let us at least have that. Come on, man. Like... And let, let I can't wait. We're we have Todd Furman on our show tomorrow, and I cannot wait to talk to him about this game because I, obviously we've never seen anything like this. We've never seen a game move this much in in you know the look ahead to line do a game in week two, right? This isn't look ahead line game Thanksgiving weekend where you have a whole season to change things. This is hey Ravi Lula. Uh, this is <laughs> this is a game. This is a game that is in the second week. I cannot wait to talk to Todd about this because if if you are a gambler. Um, one of the things that you often will do is look at the public money right. and say, I'm staying the hell away from that because that's where all if, the money is. That's a funny thing, Josh. If Nebraska was not in this game, if I had no emotional, no close ties to it, I would look at this game and I would be like, there is no way I am touching Colorado whatsoever on this one because they are definitely not covering this. I mean, that yep. would be my first reaction the way that this is going. And I'm four and one in the pick five, so I know what I'm doing. Mm, yeah, I'd just like to say. I also that. was for. I was also for. Josh knows what he's five. doing too. So yeah, hey, let Many me. You're saying real quick. Let me give people a little bit of. I'll end with some silver lining. I don't know. Okay. Maybe this is in silver lining, but like for those who are interested, I did go through and I kind of like. I was really just wondering who, because the Colorado team, like where did they all come from? Is kind of what I wondered, Josh. Like, who are these guys? How many of them? Like I knew about Shadur Sanders and I knew about Hunter, but then I, you know, I kept hearing people say, "Well, there's a whole bunch of other five stars on the team," or "There's all, you know, they've got this great this this group of talent, and that's why they were winning." And so I thought I would look deeper into that, and that's not really the case. Like Hunter is legitimately the top recruit, the top recruit in the nation from two years ago. He's number one. Okay, he was and, literally the number one player. He's in the literally country. the number one player in the country. Played for a year at Jacksonville State. What did surprise me, Josh, is he didn't have a ton of stats last year for Jacksonville state, either on defense or on offense. I can't remember. I said it in the chat channel at what they were in terms of his amount of catches and like his amount of interceptions and tackles. Like he had almost as many tackles in this game as he did last year as a, mm-hmm. for the entire year for Jacksonville state. So that was interesting. Jackson and, state, right? Jackson state. What did I say? Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. Jackson Jacksonville. State. Yeah. Sorry, Jackson, Jackson state, state. Yeah. for under, under Deion Sanders. And you know, the other wide receivers are, they're all, they're all transfers who are all three and four star guys coming out of high school for the most part, mostly three star guys, a couple of guys from USF who came over. 
Um, you've got guys, you've got one of the running backs that they used was played for Colorado last year. You got another one, uh, the guy who scored the touchdowns, the receiving touchdowns. He's kind of a blue chipper. He's a four chip, four star freshman that came and joined them this year. Then you got another one who played for Jackson state last year. Their offensive line is a couple of Kent state guys. I mean, it, it's not like you look, and this is why people were down on them at the beginning of the year. Like you look at their roster on paper and Hunter Sanders look very good. The new running back looks looks good on paper. Beyond that, nobody really looks good on paper, even still with this roster. And I get it. Everyone was wrong about it with the TCU game. But this team didn't become just like a a complete like talent haven in their starting lineup overnight. And sometimes I think people think that about them. Does that make sense? Am I making sense with that at all? Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like a little bit like you I know that that going back to the weekend that you took something a few of us said about like they have really good talent and it was more about the wide receivers cuz then I know you went and looked at like the whole roster. But even the and wide receivers like, are not it's Hunter. It's I mean, Hunter. it showed up though, didn't it? They, they I mean they had good. four guys with 100 yards. That's fine. They looked good, but they're not I have heard and it's not even necessarily you. I've heard it from lots of people outside the club there's this thought that they are stacked with these superstar, like these guys who have been superstars elsewhere that came here. That either, is the odd thing is in, we talked about it with David Ubbin today. Like they haven't, they haven't done that yet on the recruiting trail. Like right. they, they had the number one transfer portal class, but I'm guessing a lot of that was just the raw number of, of players. There's yeah, yeah there, there are tons of them, but I, I have got the perception that people think that their skill position players have been superstars either in high school or at another college. And that that's not that's generally not true. It's true of Shadur Sanders. Okay, it was it's not even true of Hunter because he wasn't that last year either. So these are not guys who have been superstars on other places at other places. That's all I'm I'm saying. The guys who went to USF when people were saying this in the chat when I started listing all their stats, like they were comps to Marcus Washington last year in terms mm-hmm. of their numbers or in that range. So that's the only thing is like. I think part of the mental block that people have about this game is that, like, oh, crap, their skill players are just, you know, they are. Dion brought in all these just blue-chip studs that just weren't at the right place, and now they're going to do it. I don't know if he did. And, yeah, you're yeah, right. I disagree. I don't think that that's why people are saying that. People I think it's because they watch the TCU game. Josh, people are literally saying that. People are, I mean. You not can, in here. I don't, Jack, I don't think that it's people in the club okay, or fine. Husker I'm fans not, that are like. I'm not accusing you of saying it. It is being said. It is being said repeatedly. I, I just feel like it's because, just feel like it's say, being said because they had four guys get 100 yards that's and Travis Hunter saying. was a beast. That's not what they're saying. That's not what, okay. what some people are saying. Um, okay. And I'm doing this. All I'm doing this is to make, is to give, if you hear that, it's not true. Okay. And so to the extent you're not hearing it, fine. You're not worried about it, I guess. I think people are legitimately worried about that in, in looking at tweets and looking at some of the stuff from the club. I'm, I'm not saying that's what you were saying, but I definitely think people are saying that. Interesting. That's all. Okay. He's put this together, this great collection of talent. They keep. I mean, have you not heard that at all? I, I really? like. I just. It. They were talent. They looked like a talented team. That's on, not on what they're Saturday. saying. That's not what they're not see, saying. I don't, they're not see, saying that they performed they perform- well. They're saying that Dion is this ultimate recruiter, have, and he is able to pull out these elite five star players to him. That's what he's saying. Well, 
I guess. That's like, I, I mean, I have studied their roster a lot this offseason, and so I know that they have been recruiting in a way that kind of surprised me because it's been on the low end of what I expected. But I also know that they brought in some really good receivers, and that showed itself on Saturday. You know, I, we're obviously talking way past each other right now. Uh, I, yeah, I guess you're you're saying I'm making a straw man, and I'm saying I'm hearing that. And I, I yeah, and, and I think you're agreeing with. But it sounds like you agree with my point that I'm saying. So, well, I mean, I, to a degree, but like I, I'm also someone who is like I don't care if a guy was a two star. No, you don't and is care. An, but I, no, I, no, no, Jack. I'm just saying. Hear me out. Like if 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 a guy performs well in a football game. I will look at that and say, I don't care what his recruiting rankings were anymore. I want to just talk about what they, they did on Saturday. Like, I, I guess, like, the Travis Hunter get is incredible, and I don't care that he didn't play very much or sucked last year. Like, he I was, was great on Saturday. I was really surprised to see that. I, that made yeah. me, that actually made me feel a little better. A little better. It, see, it. that's great. Like, I don't care. Like, who gives a shit that he didn't perform you well last year? You don't care that this was the first time he's ever done anything like this? No, that, he was at the power a, five level. He played over a hundred plays. He had a touchdown, could have had another couple and had an interception. Like, I don't care that he wasn't good last year. Like that was I'm ridiculous. I'm not saying he wasn't good. I'm just saying he doesn't necessarily, it makes me think that there is a, more of a chance that there was something extra special happening on week one that isn't going to be sustainable for the whole year. I figured he had been doing things like that all of last year. And he has. Well, and I mean, I, I agree with you, but it's funny. I don't agree with you for that reason. I agree with you because I'm, I just wonder how many plays he like can keep doing this for. I but think it's that not, too. you know, I also think that, yeah. but, yeah. but, but that, listen, uh, that's fine. Good Lord. All I'm hearing is everything's too negative. I'm trying to bring in at least a little sunshine. Just saying, Hey, <laughs> people may be overrating some things about this Colorado roster. And I want you to be alerted to it and know the truth. And I'm getting killed for it killed for it that these these guys these receivers played at south florida and they weren't that good that's all they weren't that good at south florida so you don't need to be worried it's they they're they're men they're not machines okay it's not a bunch of cyborgs over there they are human three-star south florida transfers that are replacement level with marcus washington Probably worse. Okay. They play on ten foot rims just they like play we do, on 10 right? Ten foot rims. I mean, fifteen feet foot free throws. Well, I mean, it's not uh, great. Hunter is. I mean, there are Big Ten teams with there are Big Ten teams with way more talent, way more guys who have proven it than these guys. And by the way, and I hope you can agree with me on this. And this is not based on. I didn't. This is not based on the stars, Josh. This is not based on what they did at Kent State. Their tackles, in particular. But their entire offensive line, when they really had to pass block, they had some issues, despite putting up yes, a lot of they points. Did. And they, credit again to Lewis, he schemed around issues. But they were, if you notice, they were getting new people in at those tackles as often as they could, trying to figure out somebody who could keep those ends off Shadur Sanders. So uh, I just want to acknowledge one of these, tw these comments from Josh, because he said it, I, uh, I was sending the over under it like eight times tonight. Yes. It was one game. It was one game. Yes. There. Like, yeah, but we still got, I mean, we can't just, I, I, Josh, I don't want to keep saying it was one game. I've said that like 800 times this week. It was one game. Yeah. There's lots of one game. Yeah. There are a lot. I mean, again, and there are, there are times out there when one game was a completely misrepresentative of a team. And there's times when, you know, it was it was more in line with what the team is really going to be, but there's there's a little bit of me that doubts that just everybody was dead wrong about this Colorado team. 
like super dead wrong. Like, like talking about, because what were we talking about? When you did, I listened to your interview with the Colorado guy um, on 25. With teams. David Ubbin? Yeah. No. Oh, oh. Back weeks ago. Yeah. With their beat writer. And you talked to them. And like, even he, he was like, oh, Travis Hunter's an incredible player, but there may not, I, I'm paraphrasing, and you probably remember it better than I do, but I remember listening to it, and he was he was like, yeah, I don't know if they're going to have – he's like, I don't know if they'll have any – they may have a win against Colorado State in the that first month and a half of the season, but I don't know if they'll have any more. Like the beat writer wasn't even uh, uh, sounding particularly optimistic about them. Like was yeah. everybody just head and shoulders crazy wild off on this team? Is that – I guess it's possible, but I think – It's definitely was, possible. But I think The wild part reason, to me, Jack – it's like, so we had Ubbin on today, and, and Ubbin brought up, you know, that it was like all these Pac-12 coaches. Like, that was the my favorite and least favorite thing of this last weekend was all these dipshits that kept tweeting at me. Oh, man, you guys did this by talking trash about Colorado. It's like, okay, first of all, you're a loser if, like, that's your mindset to get mad at a radio host for making fun of Colorado. Also, Second of you all, should be making fun of Colorado. Yeah, like, good Lord. Like, well, soft, 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 soft. Soft. But the other thing, the other thing, Jack is like all these these Pac-12 coaches were saying the same thing. Like I'm, I was wrong. May, you know, I might be wrong about this team. I think they're definitely going to win more games than I thought that they would. I would start there. I, that's like my floor, right? But what I would also say, if, if, what did you think they were like, going to win? Like two. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, probably, I thought they were going. They probably because they're going to be Colorado. They are definitely going to beat Colorado State because yeah, they yeah, that yeah. might they be at least they'll have two wins games. after their first three games. But um. But like all of the all the coaches got it wrong too. Everyone got it wrong. So like I'm I'm sorry to all these soft Husker fans that were mad that we did tiny baby buffs and, and other things of that nature. For, get a grip. And second of all, like coaches thought the same thing. So it's like I'm not an outlier here. Plus they may be. We'll see. We'll see at this yeah. point. With Gabe Irvin's running over their non-tackling tiny two-star defenders, then it's yeah. going to be true. Keep that in mind too. Maybe. Think about that crap. Yeah. And here's the thing, Josh. The other thing on that topic, like I still believe, I don't know if it'll be Nebraska and and maybe they stay hot, but I think they're going to come to earth this season pretty hard at some point, Colorado. Well, they have Oregon and USC at the end of the month. Like that's going to be tough. Those are actual playoff yeah, contenders. Though, like TCU is not a playoff contender. Nebraska is not a playoff they're not, contender. They're not Colorado getting, State, not a playoff contender. 100% not getting eight wins. And I will, I mean, like I know people, there's some people who are thinking that, Absolutely not. No way. You you think USC's offense is not going to outscore their offense, people? Yeah. Like seriously, yeah, exactly. Do you even think Washington State's? Off- well, how about Washington's offense? Penix had wide open receivers running all over that field. Okay, the, this is not a good conference for them to be in with very little defense at this point because they've got the best collection of quarterbacks in a conference that I almost can remember with the Pac-12 this year. And Shadur Sanders is great, but they're going to be going against some offenses that are really capable. So I, get get us while you can, I guess, because everybody else – and I hope – it's going to feel like crap if Nebraska loses to them, they beat Colorado State, and then their slide begins after that because I think it will. Maybe. I, I, I definitely am more optimistic than you are about them because I, I think that there was more real than there was fake on, on Saturday. The schedule just sucks. It, I mean, oh, it definitely does. I mean, it definitely does. What, what? I mean, I suppose like Arizona State, they'll do well in. Um, I don't know if they play. I mean, Cal even looks good this year now at this point. Dude, I think Cal might beat uh, like, Auburn this weekend. Washington State looks really good. 
Oregon State looks really good. I don't even know who all they play, what their schedule is exactly, but like I can't think of too many of those Pac-12 teams outside of maybe Arizona State and Arizona in uh, Stanford where it's like uh, even after last week that I feel good about them winning. Just because yeah. the, the you talk about teams that looked look yeah Colorado looked weirdly good on week one so did all those other teams right oh yeah against, the, the league's loaded I mean against some of them against decent teams all right I just posted the schedule after right. USC Arizona State on the road Stanford at UCLA Oregon State at home Arizona at home at Wazoo at, at not, Utah it's a brutal. I mean still though they have what five teams that are ranked and all of them are in the top sixteen right now. <laughs> And at the end, at Washington State, at Utah, in the freaking the snow. The Utah game will be brutal. In the snow in those games. I mean, Utah, oh, God, I can't wait. You know what? Whatever happens, I can't wait for that Utah game because they're going to punish them, and I can't wait. Yeah, that'll be fun. And it's going to be, be in fun. the snow. I love it. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, I know it'll be in the I guess they play in Colorado. Colorado games might be in the snow, too. Who, shoot, Arizona might be in the snow. We'll see. That's true. People forget it snows. People forget it snows in Boulder, Colorado. Yep. Did you see that like TikTok that Travis Hunter was like, man, everybody's saying I'm going to go to the Green Bay Packers. I'm not saying I don't like the cold, but I don't know if I want to go to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, there's like cold and then there's Green Bay cold. Like that's a different, that's like, a different dude, breed. I was like, dude, do you know where you transferred right now? <laughs> like, you know what the winter is going to be like there? Uh, yeah, but it gets sunny and it melts so quick. Yeah, it's it's so different. It's, yeah, it's yeah. different. It feels like fallout right now, Josh. Not to get into weather talk, oh, but you uh, go oh, outside. Know, yeah, you go yeah. outside lately. Brendan doesn't like it when we get into weather talk, right? Is it Brendan he, who doesn't like weather? I don't talk? know. He might be. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. Yeah. Dude, well, Kyle, don't worry. We won't do it tonight. But Jack, you know when we will Clint. do weather talk? Uh, I don't know when. Saturday morning. Saturday morning Saturday on Saturday, Saturday morning. morning coffee show. Of baby. course, we need a game day forecast in Boulder. Yeah. Maybe, maybe and Clint so this will be. This will be our first true <laughs> Saturday morning coffee show of the season because we were we didn't do one this past weekend. And then yes. uh, some TBA, but sometimes Saturday night, we're going to do Saturday night after dark. I have work responsibilities from uh, 2.30 until TBD, uh, but I'll be home. Dude. My guess, Jack, we can talk about it offline, but I don't know, 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock, somewhere in there during the uh, Texas-Alabama uh, game? If it's if it's a win, I can't guarantee my – I mean, I'll be there. I just can't guarantee my, you know, my state of discussing in a, a calm, collected – Jack manner. will have to sit with a pillow on his lap the whole time, I think. <laughs> The camera doesn't. Well, never mind. That's true. Yeah, don't put the camera <laughs> down. Think, John will always do necessary. that at work. He'll like suddenly go like that. <laughs> it's like John, crap? don't, don't do, that. do that. Stop. John does it. That's weird. John does it at work. Why? For what? He does it because he he's always adjusting his his camera and he forgets that it's set up like on this that. camera and that so suddenly it's feel, showing. That's it's not junk. allowed in the club. Stop. Yeah, it's definitely yes. not. Yeah, so we won't do that. But yeah, we'll have Saturday morning oh. coffee and then we'll have uh, Saturday night after dark. And you want to be there to celebrate with us. So become a patron today. Oh. Patreon.com slash ID club. You, you listen, you, yes. It, it, again, I don't know if it will happen this weekend, but it will happen at some point. And when it is there, you are going to want to be a part of the club in that moment because Jack Brennan says, Jack reads back his tweets drunk. If they win, I think we need to go through your tweets because it would be run a roller game. coaster of emotion. Like but game. finally, Jack, John and I do this to you all the time, but it's usually sad tweets. Yeah. This would have a happy ending. Uh, we've How never fun got would that to be? do a happy tweets. From I know. The, like, I know. So we would have to do that. So, you, yeah, let's one archive. Year, some one tweets. time you showed me all the tweets during the Nebraska-Texas volleyball game. 
that I did. And that was a win. So I was happy during that one. But yes, usually it's not. It's not that's yeah. fine. I'll do a dramatic reading where you put some music oh God, on. That sounds incredible. It could be like a beatnik type situation and we can uh we can we can do all of that. It'll be great. God, we need it. To you don't so whenever bad. it happens, you don't want to miss it. You will know you'll want it, your kids will remember where you were when that happens, if that even makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, All right. Hey, thanks to uh, shout out to celebrities in the in the crowd tonight. Shout out to Ravi joining. Yeah, yeah. Look at Ravi hanging out. Ravi. In a lot the of club. people. Ravi doesn't know, but a lot of people in the club were very excited about his his uh, new show taking off over there. So uh, a lot of lot of enthusiasm when people were talking about it. Congrats, Ravi. I miss How you, Ravi. I, Matt asked if I've created my new. Uh, Twitter accounts yet. Sean Callahan's evil twin, Jean Callahan from Jean Callahan, French Sean Callahan, evil twin. I really want to do that. And Big Ten punts, which is just me tweeting when other Big Ten teams I don't like punt because I already do that in the CFB channel right now. That'd be fun. <laughs> they go back on Saturday. Every nobody would say anything, and everyone's be like Wisconsin punt, Iowa punt. punt. Uh, that's good. That is good. Uh, Jean Callahan, <laughs> Sean, Jean Callahan, just quote tweet Sean with the same things. Hashtag reporting, in, in, <laughs> but in French though, that's the thing. That's the difference. All right. Are we ending this thing? Anything else we need to get Let's to end this thing? Let's end this thing. All right. Patreon.com slash ID club. Become a hey, patron today. If you're not one already, please, you are going to want to be there. When it goes down in any direction, we're hoping it's a good direction, but who knows? Josh, we may be having an emergency pod for the next coaching search by October. Oh, God. Uh, Jack, one more thing. So, again, (laughs) this is going on the free feed on Saturday. You might be listening to this. It's going up super early on Saturday morning on the free feed. Let's do that. Yeah, make sure to get it up at like 5A for people who go on. Dude, don't worry. I always see They They always go up super early. So. If you're listening to this on Saturday, I'm talking to you, person, who's not a patron yet. And then you wait on, later Jacob's on in the day. Oh man, is killing me. I'm sorry I laughed over you, Jacobs. You're fine. <laughs> you're, you, you watch the game against Colorado, person, who's not a patron. Nebraska wins that game. Do you not want to join in on the fun with us later today on Saturday? You want to join us. Patreon.com slash ID Club. Jack's going to read his tweets. It's going to be a blast. It will be the greatest night of your life and all of our lives. In, and yeah, I'm including indeed. children born, weddings, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just got married, but man, this would be but, incredible. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that is it for the show. Uh, I am going to, my my uh, my wife is coming down here to tell me something, so I really probably need to end it now because I don't think she's ever done that during an IAD Club show. My wife! Yes. All right, goodbye, everybody. Have a good, I'm going to stop recording now. Goodbye, podcasters. <laughs>